Vasanam, the throne of King Indra, Ojasa, by personal power, Stitam, situated on, Vishvavasu, the chief singer of the Gandharvas, Tumburu, another Gandharva singer. Asmat, Adaya, including ourselves. Narada and others also glorified Hiranyakashipu. Gandharva, the inhabitants of Gandharva Loka. Siddha, the inhabitants of Siddha Loka. Rishaya, the great sages and saintly persons. Astuvan offered prayers. Muhu again and again. Vidyadara, the inhabitants of Vidyadara Loka. Cha and Apsarasa, the inhabitants of Apsaro Loka. Cha and Pandava, O descendant of Pandu. Translation O Maharaja Yudhishthira, descendant of Pandu, by dint of his personal power, Hiranyakashipu, being situated on the throne of King Indra, control the inhabitants of all the other planets. The two Gandharvas, Vishvavasu and Tumburu, I myself and the Vidyadaras, Apsaras and sages, all offered prayers to him again and again just to glorify him. Purport. The Asuras sometimes become so powerful that they can engage even Narada Muni and similar devotees in their service. This does not mean that Narada was subordinate to Haranrikashipu. Sometimes, however, it, is so, it so happens in this material world that great personalities, even great devotees, can also be controlled by the Asuras. Translation again. O Maharaja Yudhishthira, descendant of Pandu, by dint of his personal power, Hiranyakashipu, being situated on the throne of King Indra, controlled the inhabitants of all the other planets. The two Gandharvas, Vishvavasu and Tumburu, I myself, and the Vidyadaras, Apsaras and sages all offered prayers to him again and again just to glorify him. Om Ganatimadandasya Gananjana Shalakaya Chakshun Militang Yena Tazmai Shri Gudave Namaha Jai Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nichananda 
Shri Advaita Gadadhara, Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. This chapter gives you insight into the variegatedness of the universe. And we spoke a few days ago about how several times in this chapter, Srila Prabhupada raises the point in his purports that how could one be so foolish to think that only the earth planet has life? And we can be sure that at some point in the future of humanity, if human beings don't succeed in destroying themselves, sometime in the future of humanity, people will look back on that notion that only the earth has life and think, how could anyone think like that? Bhagavatam presents you with the cosmology of the universe, different grades of living entities with different amounts of powers, different levels of consciousness, different motivations. Hiranyakashipu made an unparalleled achievement. As a demon, he took over even Indra's planet, Indra's throne, and controlled the whole material universe, except for Brahma, Shiva, and Vishnu. So this is not a fairy tale. This is just presenting to you a different grade of power than what you are accustomed to. When you think of the powerful politicians, political leaders of Kali Yuga, they're nothing. They're like a speck of dust compared to Haranyakashipu, who was so powerful that even the functions of nature were afraid of him. And so the rain fell, the wind blew. All the functions that normally Indra would take care of, or Vayu would take care of, or Varuna, all these functions were taken over by Hiranyakashipu by dint of his austerity, the powers derived from his austerity. And remember, we discussed a few days ago how Lord Brahma warned Hiranyakashipu, I'll grant you all these benedictions you want, that you can't be killed in this way or that way, <coughs> but let me <coughs> give you a hint. These benedictions are very difficult to maintain. And we see that Hiranyakashipu went mad. Possessing those benedictions, he thought he's invincible. And he thought he didn't have to worry about the sages like Bhrigu Muni cursing him, just as happened to Vena. He thought, I've become so powerful that even the sages and their curses can't touch me. So we also discussed the other day, but it's always good to repeat. Repetition of an important point is not a mistake, it's a virtue, the Shastra says. Haranyakashipu had everything more than you could ever imagine. In the age of Kali, 
if you can just be in charge of your household, you think, oh, I'm so great. <laughs> this is stated by Shukadeva Goswami in the 12th canto. One of the symptoms of Kali Yuga, Daksham Katumba Bhadanam. If someone can just maintain a small family of a spouse and two children, that person's considered very expert. <laughs> so because we have such struggles just to maintain, just to push forward in our material affairs, we think, how could Hiranyakashipu have so much power? But all that power came from austerity, which people don't understand today. They think power comes from money, power comes from social position. But Hiranyakashipu, although in an asura, understood power comes from austerity. And he's so powerful with his cosmic control that even Narada Muni apparently is surrendering to Haranyakashipu. It seems like that from the external point of view. But as Prabhupada explains in the purport, this does not mean that Narada was subordinate to Haranyakashipu. But sometimes the way this world works is that even great personalities, even saintly persons, seem to also come under the control of Asuras. So you might think, well, how could Narada Muni bend and seem to submit to Haranyakashipu? The Lord's devotees always have a different motivation that may not be readily apparent to the external vision. Just like the Battle of Kukshetra, where Bhagavad Gita is spoken. Krishna is making politics. There's no doubt about it. Krishna wanted Duryodhana and company out, and he wanted his people in. That's politics. <laughs> no election. <laughs> no campaigning. <laughs> so therefore, <clears throat> Krishna told Arjuna, even if you don't fight, Still, this battle is going to go on. These soldiers are not going home. So it seems from the external point of view that Bhagavad Gita is about mundane politics, arguments, and violence. But when one reads Bhagavad Gita carefully, you find out that the battle of Kurukshetra is actually all about Krishna's desire. Krishna wanted his devotees to rule. And because Krishna is the cause of all causes, sarva karana karanam, he has the right to sort out affairs in this world as he likes. So you may protest, Krishna, why are you interfering? <laughs> but everything is Krishna's energy. And sometimes it looks like <clears throat> Krishna is bending the rules but Krishna is morality himself. You know the famous example from the Kukshetra battle where Krishna told Yudhisthira to say something that wasn't exactly true. <laughs> it was a bit of a shady deal. <laughs> and Yudhisthira hesitated. Oh, 
I'm, I'm so famous for being a moral person, never having told anything near a lie. I don't know if I can do that. So he hesitated. <laughs> Sometimes devotees are caught up in such situations. And so you always have to remember, how is Krishna to be served in the best way? So here we are talking about Narada Muni, apparently submitting to Haranyakashipu, but just look at our situation in the demoniac world for the sake of maintaining the families, for, for the sake of pushing on our necessary material affairs, and even for pushing on Lord Chaitanya's mission. We have to deal with so many contaminated persons and complicated situations. So why just think this is an unusual situation caused by Hiranyakashipu? Look at the situation we're in right now. It could seem from the external point of view that we're all very compromised. We have to follow government leaders who sponsor, who promote illicit sex, intoxication, meat-eating, and gambling. That's their life and soul. Government policies support all this. And you're paying money to the government from your taxes, from your wages, rates for your houses, your properties. So it would seem from the external point of view that we are very implicated in compromised situations. So why just think, Narada Muni, what happened to you? This is a very rare occurrence. No, it's a common occurrence, a daily affair today. I remember one example I'll never forget. I was flying from Melbourne to Perth. And before I left Melbourne, the Pujaris gave me a big container of maha to bring to the devotees in Perth. So I landed at the airport in Perth, not knowing that they have this rule that any food from outside of Western Australia has to be declared. <laughs> so I didn't know that. So I was, I was carrying the Maha container in my hand as I approached the baggage ramp where the devotees were waiting. And so I gave one devotee, one Perth devotee, the container of Maha. I said, it's Maha from Sisi Radha Balava. And all the devotees, of course, were very enlivened, holding it very carefully. And then a customs officer comes up. <laughs> a very not polite old lady. <laughs> and she marched right up to the devotee because she had seen me give the devotee the package of Maha. And she marched right up to him and said, Is that from Melbourne? <laughs> <laughs> and the devotee hesitated for a while. And then he just told her firmly, this is from Perth. <laughs> and then she went away. <laughs> but I could see for a split second it was a major decision for him. <laughs> he, ultimately, in a split second, he concluded the topmost priority is to protect the Maha. <laughs> <laughs> but it, 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 it reminded me of Yudhisthira on the, battle of, the battlefield of Kurukshetra. <laughs> he really, being a very 
saintly devotee, he had to think about it in a split second. Is this food from Melbourne? And he and no, it is from Perth. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you do in that situation? <laughs> you would all protect the Maha, right? <laughs> Especially if you're going to get some of it. <laughs> But this is an example of the nature of this world. That, from the external point of view, we're implicated in a very sinful society. So we always have to have our objective clear. Our objective is how to satisfy Krishna. So the devotee calculated instantly. The best thing to do in this situation is to protect Krishna's remnants. That's the best way to give Krishna pleasure. So I'll just say, this food is from Perth. So you'll be faced with countless situations like that. In which you have to think carefully. How do I live in this world for Krishna's pleasure? You're living in a world of deceit, of cheating, of lying, of immorality. And yet here you are trying to have a bhakti lifestyle. So inevitably, every one of us is caught in situations in which we have to think, what is best for Krishna's service? And as long as you think like that, and take guidance, you'll be on course, you'll be on track. But if you forget the central purpose is yagya vai Vishnu, sacrifice for Vishnu. Then you can just become lost in so many complexities. Should I do this? Should I do that? What's better here? What's better there? Living in the material world is very complicated. You see that even in the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita. Arjuna is telling Krishna, I can't handle all these intricacies. Look who's on the other side of the battlefield. Friends, relatives, former teachers. This is not a simple situation. I can't understand what would be better, to conquer them or to be conquered by them. If we win the battle, we lament because so many of our friends, relatives, associates will be dead. And if we lose the battle, we lament because we'll have lost. So, oh Krishna, I can't see how any good can come from this. So this is Arjuna demonstrating to you how problematic material existence is. So many, even in the same family there can be so many intricacies. You all know so many stories like that. True stories. At the workplace, it's like a battle these days, the, the workplace. You have to be an actor. Oh yes, I am always thinking of this company and its affairs. <laughs> Remember the uh, story I used to tell? Uh, Nichananda Priya Prabhu told me when IBM had hundreds of employees in Melbourne before everything went offshore to India. And so one big managemental guru an Indian gentleman from the USA, big wig, big person in, in IBM. He flew over 
and they had a big meeting in the auditorium with hundreds of IBM employees, and he was on the stage, and the spotlight was just on him, and he was walking back and forth saying, what kind of persons will we keep for IBM? Who will be able to retain their job? We want the kind of person who, when he's, when he or she wakes up in the morning, and as soon as you open your eyes, you think about your job. That's the kind of person we'll keep. All others can go. <laughs> and so then, the big managemental guru started walking around in the audience with the spotlight following him. And he would walk up to this person, that person. When you wake up in the morning, do you think of IBM? What about you? When you wake up in the morning, do you think of IBM? And a few of those persons were devotees. And so, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Certainly. <laughs> Just like when I'm coming through Immigration and Customs at the airport here in Melbourne, and, you know, they, they ask for your card, your, your arrival card, and the ticket from the passport m machine. And I'm always careful, even though they're so much younger than me. Yes, officer. Do you have any food? No, officer. <laughs> Sometimes if the guy is even in his 20s or 30s, I say, no, sir. And I can see they're just, hmm. <laughs> Because <laughs> probably no one does that, you know. <laughs> probably the you know the Aussies just nah. <laughs> I got no food. <laughs> nah. <laughs> but I'm always careful to, with, with the honorifics. Yes, sir. No, sir. Yes, officer. No, officer. My father taught me how to do that. My father was an administrator in New York City Police Department. And he said, whenever you deal with a, a, someone of, legal, of law enforcement, you always just be careful to offer them puja. <laughs> <laughs> because they're so used to treat, being treated badly. Why are you bothering me? Why are you asking me that? <laughs> Get off my case. <laughs> but if you just say, yes, officer, no, officer. Yes, sir. No, sir. They, they always melt. <laughs> and so, re so, so remember that. <laughs> Another time I remember, I was, this is before the passport control machines were, were everywhere. I was landing in Perth from New Zealand. So it's an international arrival. So I went up to the passport control booth and no problem. They, they let me in, and then I, but as I left the passport control booth, I saw, because you know they have some officers waiting behind the passport control booth, just in case someone needs further investigation. So I saw these two old ladies, <laughs> and they were just looking at me, and I was thinking, uh oh, <laughs> they're gonna pull me over. I could see what they're thinking. What do we have here? Is he from Morocco? Is he from Tunisia? <laughs> Jamaica? What, what was uh, India? Who, 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 what do we got here? He could be a drug smuggler. 
<laughs> so I left the passport control booth, and I knew what was going to happen. They're going to pull me over. So as I was walking past the two, two old lady officers, one, one of them gestured to me. Come, come, passport. So I handed her my New Zealand passport. She looked at it. Ah, you're a Kiwi, huh? <laughs> she thought she had a big catch, you know, Tunisia, Morocco, <laughs> Haiti, something exotic. She says, you're, ah, you're, you're a Kiwi, huh? And then right in front of me, she turns to her mate and says, it's just a Kiwi. <laughs> <laughs> so, because this is Kali Yuga, devotees get caught up in many intricacies that they have to know how to handle. And here you see Narada Muni, apparently caught up in the regime of Hiranyakashipu. Externally, it looks like that, but Narada Muni always has a purpose. Always has Krishna's service as his foremost concern. What about after Arishtasura was killed, Narada Muni went and told Kamsa the truth of what was going on. And Kamsa trusted him. After all, it's Narada Muni. Even the demons trust him. So, Narada Muni had his own motivation for spilling the beans, telling the truth to Kamsa about who was the eighth child of Devaki. Up until that point, Kamsa had thought Devaki's eighth child was a daughter, in spite of the prophecy that said her eighth child would be a, have, would be a son who would kill Kamsa. Up until that point, Kamsa thought there's something going on with uh, with, with the, vo un, the voices from above. <laughs> Devaki didn't have a boy. She had a girl. Up until that point, he was thinking like that. But Narada Muni wanted to agitate the situation because it was time for Braj Leela to come to a close. It was time for Krishna to go to Mathura. So Narada Muni told everything to Kamsa. He said, the identity of the eighth child has bewildered you. Actually, Krishna and Balaram, they're the sons of Vasudev. So Kamsa would answer, well, if that's so, how did Krishna and Balaram wind up in Braj? And Narimuni explained, Vasudev took them there. Well, it looks like Narimuni is really putting Vasudev in a bad situation. Kamsa was enraged to hear this. Furthermore, Narimuni told Kamsa, all your demoniac mates who you sent to Braj to, to kill, they've all been killed by Krishna and Balaram. So not only was Kamsa enraged, but he was also fearful. Oh my God, I've got to do something. He was shaking with rage. So being a demon, his first thought was, Vasudev, that liar, 
I'm going to kill him. But Narada Muni had to quickly change the scene. He had to quickly intervene. Why do you want to kill Vasudev? He's not the one who's prophesied to kill you. It's Krishna. Oh, thought Kamsa. Oh, 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 okay. Furthermore, Narada Muni told Kamsa, if you kill Vasudev, the word will reach Nanda Maharaj in Braj, and he will flee with the two boys. You don't want that to happen. You want to be able to kill those two boys. So, but if you kill Vasudev first, your, your mission is ruined. The two boys will, will flee. You'll never catch them. So then Kamsa began to think, how can I lure, how can I attract these two boys to Mathura? I'll imprison Vasudev. That will be one thing that will attract the two boys to Mathura because their father is in prison. But I won't kill Vasudev. I'll imprison Devaki also. That'll also attract the two boys to come save their mother. So how will I attract these boys? Now you might wonder why couldn't Kamsa go to Vraj and take care of the situation? He knew. The Acharyas point out, Brudge is invincible. I just can't get anything done there. <laughs> I've got to lure these boys out of Brudge to Mathura. So Kamsa made a huge plan. And this is all agitated by Narada Muni. First of all, the elephant. It is customary for kings to park their royal elephants at the gate to the arena of the festival that comes as arranging. The festival was going to be a gala event. All kinds of booths were there. It's like a fair. All kinds of exhibits and people from all over would be invited. The reason why Kamsa made it such a big exhibition, such a big fair, was so that Krishna and Balaram wouldn't suspect what was going to happen. He said, these two boys, I've heard they like to wrestle. <laughs> we'll have a wrestling match. <laughs> it just so happened that Kamsa's chief ministers, Chanura and Mushtika, they're also wrestlers, <laughs> deadly wrestlers. Just like politicians these days have the dumbest people as ministers. <laughs> I remember one of your former prime ministers when he was a treasurer of Australia or something like that. He brought a lump of coal to the parliament and showed it to everyone. You have nothing to fear from this. Everything is all right. In other words, don't worry about global warming. This coal will never harm you. <laughs> he made sure to put some lac over the coal so it wouldn't smudge his clothes. So those are the kind of leaders you have. And indeed, Kamsa's cronies, his mates, his ministers, chief ministers, were Chanur and Mushtika, who happened to be wrestlers as strong as thunderbolts. So Kamsa thought, he's got the whole situation arranged. There'll be the big festival. His royal elephants 
will be parked at the entrance. So Kamsa was thinking the entrance to the arena is very narrow, so there'll be no escape by Krishna and Balaram from Kuvalayapid, the elephant. Even if, he thought, even if Kuvalayapid, the elephant, doesn't kill them, by their battling him, they'll be weakened so that by the time they enter the arena and have to deal with the wrestlers, they'll be easily defeated. He had everything figured out, he thought. All prompted by Narada Muni, who warned him, don't go after Vasudeva and Devaki. Your real targets are these two boys. You don't want them to run away. You want to lure them, attract them to Mathura, and then you can kill them. And remember, Narada Muni told him, all your demoniac killers that you sent to Braj, they have been killed. Narada Muni said that to make Kamsa fearful. And fearful, but at the same time even more determined. I've got to save myself. I've got to save myself. So what else? Then there was the Dhanur Yagya, the Bow Yagya. So comes the thought, this will help attract the boys to Mathura. A nice religious ceremony in honor of Lord Shiva. Kamsa in no way was spiritual, but he thought a little bit of religiosity, a little bit of Devata Puja, well, ah, what's the problem? He told his associates, cut up some animals and offer them to Shiva. <laughs> you never know, it could work. <laughs> Have the Dhanur Yagya, and that will make the event look so innocent. The festival of the bow. So in this way, Kamsa made so many plans. Tell all the residents of Braj, headed by Nandamaraj, bring yogurt, bring buttermilk, bring ghee. As taxes, the yearly taxes they should pay. In other words, they won't be alarmed. It's just business as usual. And not only will they, from Brudge, bring yogurt and buttermilk and ghee, all the natural wealth, but at the festival, we'll distribute heaps of yogurt, buttermilk, and ghee. Everyone will get loads. No one will suspect the deadly purpose of this festival. So this is all arranged by Narada Muni, because it's instigated by Narada Muni and arranged by Kamsa, but there's no doubt Narada Muni was the provocateur on purpose. So you might think, well, Narada Muni's explaining to Kamsa all that happened, the truth. Who was the real eighth child of Devaki? Devaki and Vasudev must be horrified. They must be angry at him. But when you get to the 11th canto, you read Vasudev thanking Narada Muni. Thank you for telling everything to Kamsa. Thank you for agitating him. Because then, Krishna and Balaram came to Mathura and killed Kamsa. And also, Devaki and I got to see our children. Thank you, Kamsa, for, excuse me, thank you, Narada Muni, for agitating the situation. So ordinarily, you would think Narada Muni's done wrong. If you had a best friend who did that to you, 
you'd be angry. But Vasudev and Devaki were, were so happy with him. Because of what you did, you accelerated the death of Kamsa and you accelerated Krishna and Balaram coming back to Mathura so they would sit on our laps and we can cry over them. So this is an example of what seems to be a compromise situation. An involvement of even a, the involvement of even a great devotee as Narada Muni with a deadly situation. But Narada Muni had his own purposes. And then there's Akrura. After Kamsa made all these plans, the bow, the elephants, the wrestling match. He had to make sure that Krishna and Balaram would come. He left nothing to chance. So who did he, whom did he turn to? Akrura. Akrura, my dear friend. Kamsa really buttered him up. <laughs> the Shastra says that Kamsa was a master of Arta Shastra. How to secure your own purposes. He was a master of Arta and Kama Shastras. But no Dharma and no Moksha. <laughs> that wasn't in his vocabulary. <laughs> but just economic selfishness, how to get your own purposes, how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> You've read that book, huh? <laughs> and of course, Kama, sense gratification. Another name for Kamsa is Bojapati, the master of material enjoyment. So he called Akura and really buttered up Akura. My dear Akura, I have no better friend than you in the entire Yadu dynasty. You remember, some of the Yadu dynasty had not fled from Mathura when Kamsa took over because they wanted to, they stayed and apparently were friendly to Kamsa. Why? Because these Yadus wanted a front row seat to watch when Krishna would kill Kamsa. So they pretended to go along with Kamsa. Most of the Yadus had fled, hiding in caves, hiding here, there, and everywhere. But some of them stayed around just to be able to see the inevitable, the death of Kamsa. So Kamsa is giving this mission to Akura. I want you to go bring back Krishna and Balaram. I intend that they'll be killed by the elephant, if not the elephant, by the wrestlers. I'm taking shelter of you, Akura, just like Indra takes shelter of Vishnu. Because Akura could be thinking and saying, you have your plans, what do you need me to assist you for? You're the great. And the Acharyas say that Kamsa replied, I know I'm the greatest, but you know, just to help this plan be completely successful without a doubt, we're asking your assistance. 
I'm taking shelter of you, just like Indra pretends to take shelter of Vishnu. In other words, Indra is superior to Vishnu. That Vishnu, oh, I hate him. <laughs> but Indra appears to take shelter of Vishnu. So similarly, for help, even though I'm self-sufficient, the cause of all causes, uh, Akura, I'm asking you to do this. And just to encourage you, Akura, look at this chariot that you're going to go to Vrindavan and bring back Krishna and Balaram on this chariot, encrusted with jewels, so opulent. Isn't your mind blown, Akura? Look at that, look at that vehicle. <laughs> it's like a Bentley or Rolls Royce. <laughs> You're a simple Vaishnava. It's so easy to influence your mind with just a little bit of material luxury. Not only will you be influenced, Akura, but when Krishna and Balaram, those little boys, those young boys see such an opulent chariot, they're going to eagerly want to jump on it and come to Madura. <laughs> so Kamsa thought he had everything figured out. Akrura even asked him, what about the friends of Krishna and Balaram? Why don't you kill them first before killing Krishna and Balaram? And, and comes to explain, by killing Krishna and Balaram first, all the friends, all their friends will dry up and become weak, and then they'll be easily killed. So first, water the tree at the root. <laughs> Narada Muni had convinced him of that. First, kill Krishna and Balaram. Take care of them. So, Akura comes to explain. After I kill Krishna and Balaram, then I, I imprison my father. I imprison my uncle, Devaka. <laughs> I, I go on a rampage. And I have full support of all the biggest demons. Charasanda, Dvidha. They're all in my pocket. They, I can count on them all. And then he made his grand conclusion to Akura. Once I've cleared out all the opposition, I've killed everyone who's against me, removed all the thorns impeding my desires, impeding my plans, then it will be so wonderful to rule the world without any obstruction. No one getting in my way. So, Akrura apparently is implicated in this situation. And Akrura actually is very happy. He's sending me to Braj to pick up Krishna and Balaram. Oh, how fortunate I am. At the same time, it seems externally like I'm on such a sinful mission. He was thinking in this way as he was riding towards Braj. What will Krishna and Balaram think? I've been sent by Kamsa. Kamsa wants to kill them, and here I am cooperating. But then he thought, Krishna and Balaram, they will know my heart. They'll understand. So he continued on to Braj. He had warned Kamsa, I've heard your plans. They are brilliant. But bear in mind, there is the Daiva, the supreme authority of destiny. Your plans are very well constructed, but that doesn't mean that they'll reach fruition. 
it doesn't mean they'll succeed. Anyway, I'll do what you say. Ooh, Akura doing what Kamsa says? But what is Akura thinking? I'll do what you say. I'll go get Krishna and Balaram because they're going to kill you. <laughs> I'll be happy to go get them so they finish you off. But externally, of course, to come say he didn't say that. <laughs> so this shows you devotees apparently get caught up in tricky situations. But because they understand how to please Krishna, they know the best thing to do. So we'll ask any questions. Yes. In the beginning of the class, you mentioned how Hiranyakashipu became really powerful by his practice of austerity. Now he was doing material austerity for material purpose. What are the best austerities that we can do in Krishna consciousness to not to get materially powerful, but to advance in bhakti. Chant Hare Krishna with attention. Our problem, as presented by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, is Dardaivam Ijasam Ahajani Nanuraga. Our problem is that although Krishna is present as his name, we're so unfortunate we have no raga, we have no attraction for his name. Our austerity is to chant Hare Krishna with attention. And then, because we're followers of Sri Krishna Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, our austerity is wherever you go, whomever you meet, teach the science of Krishna. Okay? <laughs> I forgot to mention one thing. Narada Muni, remember, he brought Leela to a close. He knew it's time for Krishna and Balaram to go to Mathura. So, Aristasura was meant to be the end. But after Narada Muni left Kamsa, Kamsa thought, one more time, one more demon. <laughs> he sent Keshi. He didn't do that while Narada Muni was there because he trusted Narada Muni and he th just like often disciples, they don't tell something to their guru and they wait till he flies out <laughs> and then they do something <laughs> because they say it's e easier to be forgiven than to get permission. <laughs> so I won't tell Guru Dave what I'm about to do. I'll wait until he flies off and then so that's what Kamsa did. Narada Muni had given Kamsa the vision what to do, but Kamsa wanted to make one more try. Was it Keshi who was the last one? Yes, one more try. So that was unauthorized. <laughs> of course, everything Kamsa does is unauthorized, but, but he was careful to make sure Narada Muni was off the scene. Otherwise, in Narada Muni's presence, yes, yes, yes. Oh, you're telling me all this information. I'm so indebted to you. But as soon as Narada Muni left, Casey, Casey. <laughs> <laughs> Sending Casey to his death. Anything else? 
Yes. Thank you, Maharaj, for a wonderful class. Go on. How do we? This is the material world, just like Akura told Kamsa. Your plan is excellent, well formulated, but the way this world is is that sometimes your plans are completed, they, they bring the desired results, sometimes they don't. That was Akura's diplomatic way of saying, what you have planned will fail. But in a general way, Akura is explaining the way the world works. You make plans, sometimes they are successful, sometimes not. Krishna tells Arjuna in Bhagavad Gita, victory or defeat is not your concern, just act as my instrument. If you're a business person, that means profit and loss. Sometimes it's big gain, sometimes big loss. But if you're in business for Krishna, that's a different situation. If you've made Krishna your business partner, <laughs> then you're like Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. When Krishna said, Nimitramacham bhavasavasachan, you can only be an instrument in the fight. Yes? What did Krishna say to Yudhisthira? What did Krishna say to Yudhisthira? To Yudhisthira. Well, Yudhisthira hesitated. Your parents, they don't read you, Mahabharata? Only Srimad Bhagavatama. <laughs> Yudhisthira apparently suffered some diminishment due to his hesitation. Diminishment, you understand that word? Oh, very good. <laughs> Anything else? Vaishnavis, no questions? Yes? Speak loudly. In this world, as I've mentioned, you go through difficult situations. How do we make sure we don't have slip-ups and accidents on the path of bhakti? That's why bhakti requires guidance. This is what Arjuna had in Bhagavad Gita. He was bewildered until he approached Krishna for guidance. He approached Krishna. All friendly talks were over. Now I'm your disciple. I am a soul surrendered to you. Shishas teham shadimam tvam prapadyam. You instruct me. So if we always have guidance, we can minimize the obstacles of material existence. 
Sometimes they're family intricacies, work intricacies, so many situations. That's the way the world is. Therefore, bhakti is a guidance culture. The more guidance you have, the more wealthy you are. Ah. <laughs> yes? Loud, please. Even Narada Muni knew what? That Kansa was so um, like a villain. He killed yeah. so many children. Yes. yes. Narada Muni certainly knew that. That Kamsa is a, a, a demon. Yes. Wouldn't Kansa think, oh, I'm such a demon person. Why would Narada Muni send the person help me? Narada Muni, he's asking, how could Kamsa think of Narada Muni as someone to help him? Everyone trusts Narada Muni. He's that expert. Even the demons trust him. And look what he did for Kamsa. He told the whole truth to Kamsa. Kamsa was very grateful. Oh, you're spilling the beans. Oh, this is what really happened, eh? <laughs> Narayuni explained to him the situation and then gave him good advice. Don't kill Vasudev because then the boys will flee. Vasudeva and Nandamaraj are like that. They're so close together. Somehow or other, Nandamaraj will hear from Vasudeva that Vasudeva is about to be killed. And so, don't first kill Vasudeva. Kamsa was very grateful for such advice. That's why Kamsa arranged such a huge spectacle, such a huge event in Mathura. Dhanur Yagya, uh, wrestlers, elephants, a big exhibit, a big fair, with lots of milk products being freely given, so that people from all around would come, and so that especially Krishna and Balaram would never suspect what was going to happen. That was Kamsa's motivation. I've got to disguise the situation. Yes? Why does every demon trust Narada Muni? Narada Muni's name is Deva Darshan. That means seeing him is as good as seeing the Supreme Lord. Deva Darshan also means one who can give you the ability to see the Supreme Lord. So that is Narada Muni. He knows how to deal with everyone. So even the demons trust him. And he told comes to the truth at the right time. At the time for bringing Braj Leela to a close. It was time for Krishna and Balaram to go to Mathura. Because the Yadus were suffering extremely. Their suffering had reached an extreme limit. And the Devatas were all troubled so right at that crucial moment, Narada Muni came and said, all right, it's time to finish this suffering of the Yadus. It's time to stop the Devatas from being so troubled. It's time for Krishna and Balaram to go to Mathura.
All right. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Thank you.